The Persistent and Nasty podcast is a series of interviews and informal discussions with inspiring women and other marginalised voices in theatre, film and beyond. From actors to activists, we aim to amplify these voices and invite the world to stay nasty. Hello you gorgeous lot and welcome to another episode of the Persistent and Nasty Podcast. Elaine here, how are you all doing? I hope that you are staying well, staying safe, looking after yourself and of course your mental health. Do whatever it is that you need to do to just get through the day, day by day everyone, day by day. Today I chat with the brilliant Laura Lovemore. We cover everything from a Grown up in Scotland uh, from a working class background to finding your joy when you're on stage. And we have a really important discussion uh, about Scotland accepting uh, their role in the slave trade and how that needs to be brought to the fore and really included in our education system. It's seriously lacking. Although we weren't together, we decided that we'd have a little drink. So we both kind of. It, it hits us about halfway through. Um, there was also a little lag, a couple of points um, with the old Zoom, but um, hopefully I have managed to sort that out for all of you and it'll all be all right. Remember to follow us on all social media, Twitter at Persistent Nasty, Instagram at Persistent and Nasty, Facebook Persistent and Nasty. You can send us an email to persistentandnasty at gmail.com. And we really would love to hear from all of you, especially this month, Women's History Month. We want to hear from you of the stories of women you admire, who inspire you. They can be people in your life. They can be people who you look up to just now or women from history. We want to hear about them and then share them to everyone so send us a wee email with all of those people um for those of you who continue to support us thank you a million times over we will never tire of thanking all of you um and if you wish to keep us going you can do so by following the paypal link in the show notes and just give us a cup of price of a wee cup of tea for today's episode i suggest well laura was having a red wine i had a beer um, so either of those or like maybe, oh, maybe like a little elderflower water or something like fizzy. That seems quite nice since it's supposed to be lovely this weekend. Uh, well, in Scotland anyway. I mean, when I say lovely, you know, I think we might be hitting 12 degrees, but you know, still, still spring. Maybe a fruit juice, coffee, hot chocolate, or as always, just a good old cup of tea. Sit back, relax. And enjoy. Laura Lovemore, welcome to the Persistent and Nasty Podcast. Thank you for having me. Cheers. Cheers. Laura and I have decided to turn this into a little afternoon session, even though we're not actually in uh, in real life. Absolutely. Um, Louise might join us. <clears throat> um, if not, it's just going to be me and you, and I am so excited to have you. Yeah. So for the people that don't know you, Laura, give us a little potted history on Laura Lovemore. Alrighty, so I'm an actor based in Glasgow and for spotlight um, reasons, also London. And that's that's about it. <laughs> nothing nothing exciting. What um, drew you to acting? I think, honestly, it's just because I, 
as a kid, I didn't really fit in because I didn't know. I wasn't really, like African enough to be African or Scottish enough to be Scottish and inverted commas. So I absolutely hated myself. So I was like, Do you know what? I'm going to be other folk. And then I turned out to be all right at it. So now <laughs> I'm able to pay bills by being other folk. I mean, being able to pay bills by being other folk is like, that's the dream right there. Absolutely. That is the dream right there. That's a really interesting thing. Not African enough and not Scottish enough. Do you yeah. still, <clears throat> is that still kind of like in there somewhere for you? Like, Aye, in there somewhere. Sometimes like if I'm out and uh, I get the old microaggression of, if I'm like, oh, can I get a large Sauvignon Blanc? And someone's like, oh, didn't expect you to sound like that. I'll be like, well, what did you think that's going to fucking sound like? Do you know what I mean? Um, only when stuff like that happens, that's when it makes me go, damn, <laughs> I'm not enough. But it's like a little flicker. But I'm sure we all get it. You are enough. They're not enough. Yeah, 100%. 100%. Who the fuck says that to someone, though? I didn't think that's what you were going to sound like. Well, I, I don't think that's what you were going to sound like at I all. I literally get that all the time. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> that's that's a kind of... Um, I mean, we can unpack that if we want, but... triggered <laughs> 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 um, <good> people. <laughs> yeah. So you decided you wanted to be other people. Did you... Um, train did you go to college what was your yeah so I did my B honours at New College Lanarkshire but it used to be called Mother yes. so refer it to that um yeah so I did that graduated in 2017 and then I've just been grinding since you have you have indeed <laughs> um you just did a project last year with the wonderful Louise Stewart love 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 it was so much fun it's such a great short film it's so good um, oh, you and Sarah I've got a lovely chemistry Sarah McCarty I've got a really lovely yeah. chemistry on screen it was just it's and I mean I adore Louise she knows that anyway um, <laughs> it's mental because we were so tight for time as you are with these things but everyone was just so fun and great and it was just a breeze and it was a nice day so it was like I mean you can't ask for, for much more in Scotland really being dry is a bonus um, so what have you been working on recently Laura so I just finished um class act in Edinburgh with the Trav and for those who don't know what that is it's basically like um they get professional actors to perform scripts that children from different schools from high schools um from the ages of like 11 to 18 they get actors to perform their pieces out and it was absolutely brilliant and the kids came to see it as well and their parents and their teachers and some of the pieces were made into short films and some of the pieces were songs and it was just so much fun literally I was fannying about for two weeks and having a blast I love it it's those things I kind of I really love those kind of projects like those really true community projects yeah where it's you know and also, kids are so fucking smart. Yeah, that's what I was shook about. Like, the things they were writing about, you could tell, like, it was Wayne's, but, like, the, the topics and the bones of the pieces were, like, really, really good ideas. So that when, obviously, we were taking everything seriously, as you would, as if it was, like, a proper play, like, folk were just believing it. And I'm like, it's the Wayne's. Yeah. All the Wayne's hard work. 
Yeah, and it's one of those things I always think <clears throat> there's such a kind of like, what's the word I'm looking for? There's a bit of a snobbery, I think, sometimes when actors do work with younger people or they do uh, like, run their youth theatre or they do teaching or whatever, there can be a bit of a snobbery about it. But actually, I think for me personally, there's something as a performer that you learn from kids that you don't always get from adults. That's very true. Yeah, I think just to be bold, that's what I learned from kids. They're pretty fearless and they just say it. Yeah. I mean, I keep saying it, but this next generation are just like, they're like, no, I'm not putting up with this shit anymore. Like, absolutely, as you shouldn't. Like, don't yeah. take shit from anyone. They're like, I'm who I am. I'm what I am. Love You're it. setting our world on fire. We're going to fucking sort it. You know, bunch of dicks. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. It's absolutely true. Um, and what about what's the rest of the year looking like for you so far, Laura? Got some developments. So I just got good news. I booked a job. Absolutely manifesting um, with my crystals. So oh, that, hello there. Hi. Yeah, honestly, I was like, I carried my crystals to the addition. I was in the bathroom rubbing them, giving it all that. Um, so the job starts in August, but they have not like official released it to everybody yet so so you can't say that can't say but I'm busting to say oh brilliant that's brilliant I'm very excited yeah I mean I'll, I mean now you've said crystals everybody's going to be like oh here goes Elaine we'll be off on a whole um, <laughs> crystal chat obsessed obsessed with my crystals yeah. what crystals did you take with you so I took my little rose quartz and then I took what's it let me no I don't have my bag with me um it's like a yellow one with like little blue bits that run through it and it's good for memory Ooh. and then there's this brown one that I can't mind the name but it's good for creativity so I took them three great yeah lovely I'm like what's the yellow one with the blue bits running through it I'm like I don't have that one I need to go and <laughs> google it because I go to the we what's it called just off Byers Road the crystal shop do you know it yeah Opal Moon Opal Moon that's when I bought it yeah I mean, I, I, I love Opal Moon. I would happily be there every day. So calming. It's just like so you walk calming. in, you're like, oh, it's so, it's so good. Okay. Do you know what I'll do? I'll, because you can I'll let me know. You can yeah. let me know later. I'll let you know. In Opal Moon, they give you the wee slips and all that with the description. Yeah. So, you know. so Laura, whereabouts in Glasgow did you grow up? Grew up kind of everywhere. Um, predominantly Coda, which is, no one ever knows where that is. So it's near Postal. So like Mary Hillis-esque. And then I moved from there and I lived in Paisley for absolute years. So yeah, just all over the place. Yeah. Um, did you do you find like, you know, having lived like somewhere near Postal and then Paisley, like yeah. coming into the industry, like there's a certain level, there's a bit of a I don't want to say classist, but there is a classist thing yeah. that goes on within an industry. Did you find that? yeah I mean yeah sadly because I never went to RCS and I've grown up in schemes all my life um and obviously if you I feel like sometimes if you don't have like RCS on your CV it doesn't open as many doors yeah anyway but I mean I'm I'm working with folk who went to RCS like I'm still in the same rooms as them so it's just kind of that's the only time I feel like there's a bit of a class divide but that doesn't mean like 
there's loads of folk that are working class that went to RCS. It's yeah. just sometimes I'm like, oh, I feel it here. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know, I don't even think it's as bad in Scotland as it is like across, especially maybe more down south and in particular mm-hmm. in London. Like it's probably more like getting in the rooms, as you say, with certain casting directors and certain things. And it's if you've not got those type of drama skills on your yeah. your CV, you can't even get in the door. But it's like, oh, you don't know who you're missing then by not. Very, very true. There's loads of talented people that went to Langside, Queen Margaret, Motherwell and all that. Um, that are stupidly talented, but it's just because it's not RCS. Oh, so yes. mm-hmm. I mean, I was actually speaking to this girl the other day and she was saying she, she grew up like in the US and here and she's not an actor or anything, but she was basically saying, oh, like what did you do at the ages of like 12, 13? And I was like, oh, I went out drinking with my pals and, like, just fanning about parks. And she was like, are you joking? And she just didn't understand, like, the drink culture and, like, how folk, like, everyone else that I was with were all going, aye, that's that's just what you do. Yeah. You're half in for some Mayfair and a three of Frosty Jacks, get a child all day and that's you set. And then I explained to her, I was like, well, you went horse riding and you'd go to the cinema and the swimming and all that, but that costs money. And, like, if you come from a low-income area, yeah, going to the cinema is more money than, stupidly, sharing a big bottle of 3L and a 10-pack of bags with your pals. That's, like, a fiver compared to yeah. whatever going to the cinema, getting sweeties, your bus fare in, your bus fare back and all that. Yeah, it's, like, 15 quid to go to the cinema. Yeah, and I was trying yeah. to explain that to her. She was like, oh, right, I get it. I was like, I hear I don't know if you've heard of it. Yeah, I mean, it's it's one of those things that when, you know, lockdown first happened and all these people were like, oh, we're going to change how the industry is. We're going to be much more open. Uh-huh. It's going to be so different. And I remember thinking, great, just gone back to the same as it was. Oh, it's a headache. It really and is. it's like, I just, I don't know, sometimes I feel so powerless because it's like, I don't specifically make theatre, right? So I'm an actor, so I feel like, damn, I know that things need to change and they know things need to change, but things aren't changing. Yeah. But everyone keeps talking about it. Everyone keeps saying the same things, but without the action. So then it just seems as if it's just a bit of a performance. Yeah. Yeah. It is. And then then that sucks because it's like... You're you're seeing you're listening, but and then you're like pacifying us by like throwing out diversity statistics, and then saying right we see where we're wrong and we're gonna sort that out asap, but then you don't. Yeah, but to be honest, that's like on the extreme side. I, I have been recently in these editions. I've been in editions where there's the creative team is a bit more diverse. Like until maybe this year or last year, I had never been in an audition that had any other race except a full board of uh, Caucasian people. Yeah. So in my brain, I was like, oh, that's the, norm- the normality. And then on the flip side of that, um, it was last year. And to be fair, I was in London. I, I went to an audition and the full room, the full room just had different ethnicities. Brilliant. It was actually a bit 
yeah but taken back but then I felt very other because as soon as I opened my mouth they were like oh, where's that accent from so I was like oh my god we're in this together and then yeah yeah not really. And that is one of those things that it never quite gets discussed. But the thing when you're a Scottish actor and you go down to a room in London and you speak, like I've noticed it a few times and it's like, oh, yeah, it doesn't quite get there's nothing that quite gets said. But it's just this shift in the room and you're like, yeah. it's, it's that. Oh, it's, it's the oh. And then for me, it's like, right, where are you from? Oh, Glasgow. Where are you from? Coda. No, like, where are your family from? Oh, right, Zimbabwe. Oh, right, okay, okay, okay. And then somehow we end up linking back to some culture thing, but then I can't really fully connect because a lot of my, my culture is predominantly Scottish culture and a little bit African culture just because I've grown up here. And then I don't really connect with Black London culture because... I mean, I lived there for four years and it was brilliant. I loved it, but I'm still other. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because your culture is, for you, where you grew up. Ah, uh-huh. just just like it is for them. Yeah. Like, a lot of them have um, been born in the UK, never never went to the countries their parents were born from. Do, do, they don't have a second language, so their culture is just Black British culture, which is brilliant, fantastic. But then if I'm explaining that, they're just like, go, I, I, I get this a lot. Oh, I didn't realise there's black people in Scotland. And I'm like, well, yeah. Yeah, yeah, actually. It's been uh, throughout history, actually. Yeah, throughout history, yeah. Throughout, throughout history. Yeah. yeah. So funny you mentioned that. So last week we had um, uh, Julia Campanelli. She's an American actor and writer, and she's creating this project based around the Paisley Witch Trials. But one of the things that she discovered, yeah, one of the things that she discovered um, while she was doing her research was, you know, that there was black people in Scotland hundreds of years ago. And it's that thing of Scotland likes to kind of ignore its part in the slave trade. We like to play this. Oh, no, no, we had nothing to do with it. That was the English. It wasn't us. Fucking bullshit. Like, like, um, and that thing of people going, I didn't know there were black people in Scotland. Well, actually, no, there's been black people in Scotland for hundreds of years. Absolutely mental. Like, see, at the start of the BLM movement, and I I never even knew all, like, the names of, like, Jamaica Street and all that. I did not know they were named like that because they had ties to slavery I didn't even know that I've been walking about going yeah not not my Scotland Scotland but they wouldn't do that they wouldn't they wouldn't do that and then me learning that I was like oh my god that's so terrible and then obviously I had to do my own research just like everybody else you know it was a massive learning experience for black people and other other races and it's just absolute crazy how this is not there isn't enough light on it when the slave trade was like the backbone of the British economy. Absolutely. And like why part of the reason that Scotland was so successful and had its money and it's like in Glasgow in particular, like I know, big, I, know I was this, I mean, I kind of knew a wee bit, but nowhere near anything. And then it was through the uh, BLM movement of 2020 uh, really like that things you know people were starting to put things out 
it's that thing of like that's down to me that I need to do that mm-hmm. absolutely uh, it also like makes you think like when I was in high school and obviously you do that history module where you learn about the slave trade but it's so like completely heavily based in America like focused in America so it kind of makes you detach and because you're reading it and you're going talk oh, this happened hundreds of years ago in America especially like growing up in the uh, educational system in the UK it, it just it, it, it's as if it's not important it's as if it's purposely the curriculum has been purposely constructed like that to just kind of say okay yeah this happened but now let's look away let's let's look at what happened in the war like I can't even remember how many months we spent learning about the war yeah like which was awful of course both wars all the wars but there isn't the same amount of weight for for these mass monumental things that happened in history yeah and and that's the and that's the really big thing like when I was at school I, I love history and I did history but I mean we got nothing on a certainly not about America and um yeah we got like we got bits on the war but not on that what we got when I was doing my higher history was a Highland clearances I got that Highland clearances um Victorians Mm. industrial revolution Mm. and then classics classics first world war and then the rise of Nazism. Has been oh yeah, and just uh, we did a little bit on Russia as well, and their their play within that. Um, yeah, and yeah. nothing about yeah, together people. Yeah, and it, it's absolutely like you make that point. Like it's really interesting. Of it's the not telling the stories. I think, and I think as performers, like that's why I was trying to. Kind of, bring it back to that is performers like we're always looking for the the truth Mm -hmm. and the story and the story of what isn't being heard Mm -hmm. that's the whole point of art yeah yeah absolutely it's like the reason we started persistent last year I mean we're two white middle-aged women Mm -hmm. I mean Louise isn't middle-aged yet (laughs) I shouldn't be putting that on her Um, like who you call middle-aged I know she'll be like that listening to us going hell (laughs) (laughs) but next time I'll be here because you're telling lies. Yeah. <laughs> She's not getting left on her own again. Um, yeah, but I mean, you know, we're two white women who have created a space in the hope that we can let other people be heard. It's too, it's too much. Like, this, why are these stories not being told? And part of it is because we're not doing it at a beginning point in school. We're hiding yeah. the history. Yeah. And like, even if you're a, whatever race you are, and you're away in school, and you're only getting taught one agenda. And let's say you are, uh, let's say, yeah, let's say you've grown up in this country, you don't really have many ties to the country your family's from, but you're Asian or black or whatever. And in school, you're not getting taught about that history at all. You don't really get it at home. Like, that's not fair. But the only history you get is the history that's, predominant in that country which I get because it's, it's that country but that's the whole point of the subject right it's to look at world history and learn about cultures and religions and so that when you're growing up and you leave school 
you're not close-minded yeah and you're not ignorant yeah and sexuality as well I mean that is like I am really proud of Scotland for doing Uh, for putting LGBTQ history into uh, curriculum I'm really proud of them for that there's lots of things I'm not you know but right now I'm very right right now you can get that one well done well done yeah um so Laura Kind of going back to being a performer and um, uh, what is your kind of main, what's your main drive, do you think, being a performer? My main drive? What is my main drive? To why I'm a performer? Or... Just all of it. Well, why? and But what also makes, what it is, what is it about it that, because I know you said at the start it was about wanting to be something oh, right. different, but yeah. yeah. Like, I just honestly, like, I've never... I've never felt happiness. I feel performing is so pure and it's just so perfect that I chase it. It just makes me so comfortable. And the fact, like, being in a rehearsal room at the start of a project where no one knows their lines and we're playing about and we're in our rehearsal clothes and we're feeling the space, that is just absolute ecstasy for me because it's just, like... I'm doing what I absolutely love. And then obviously, fast forward a few weeks, by the time you're performing on a stage and you believe everything you're saying and you believe the story around you so much that you're not thinking as, Laura, you're not thinking, oh, I need to go feed my cat the night. You're just absolutely in that moment. I just love it. It's just like pure. I, I totally get that. I think so many performers get that. Yeah. that thing right like I'm the same I never feel as happy as I do when I'm in a rehearsal room mm-hmm. or when I'm about to as long as the rehearsal room's a lovely space yeah um, <laughs> god yeah <laughs> um or, or when you're kind of when you step on stage I always kind of feel like it's so difficult to put it into words actually yeah and I've asked you that question I'm now thinking about it myself and I'm like that's yeah, really quite hard <laughs> I think the bows is the bit that I'm just like, oh, it just feels so good that you've made people happy, that they've came to be entertained and you've done that job. Yeah. That's just nice, that. What's one of your favourite shows that you've seen that as an audience you've been like, oh, that was incredible? Oh, hold on. Do you know what? Blackwatch. Yeah. I thought that was sick. Yeah. And I, I saw that when I was in school, so the school took us. I had, and I don't think I'd ever been to the theatre before. Mm-hmm. And I saw it, and honestly, I was like, like, blown away. It was brilliant. Yeah, Blackwatch is amazing. Again, wasn't that, like, funny that you were at school and it's, like, one of those ones that you can totally remember? Yeah, exactly. Because I, I never went to the theatre with my family because of money. So when the school took us, obviously, I was... I, like, I didn't know what to expect. And then just seeing the full production and how physical it was, it was brilliant. And mental, um, one of the actors I worked with, Paul Tinto, um, in Panopticon, he, he we went rehearsals and he was like, oh, yeah, I did Blackwatch. And I was like, oh, my God, when? Because I went to see it. And then we figured out that he was performing when I went to see it at school. Amazing. And I was like, full circle. Full circle. Um, and that was 
Panopticon. That was two years ago. Is that right? Yeah, it was. That was that was that just before lockdown. Just yeah, so just the winter before lockdown. Yeah. So a good few months before that. And that was a was that Debbie Hannon that was it was it was Debbie Hannon. They are brilliant. They are very very good. I loved that job, and everyone. It was one of those where everyone was just class, class at the job, and class humans, and that's the full team. It's brilliant. That's one of those ones when you're just like, oh yeah, it all is like that's exactly yeah. what you want. And you get all those lovely vibes. I'm also just Debbie Han and I uh, worship and uh, love <laughs> obsessed. Absolute talent. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Like would love to crawl into the brain and just kind of take as much information as I could. Yeah. Genuinely. Yeah. that's the other thing that um, I think being a performer you find is that when you're in those rooms with people and it's so open and everything and everybody's totally up for it like what you can then get from each other literally like and I think that's sometimes the job of the director to make that space safe enough that you can say mental idea I want to try it out it's probably not going to work but you try it out and if it doesn't work, you laugh about it, but still, at least you can cancel that idea away and you're a step closer to what's going to sit true. And also just learning from each other and yeah. sharing and going, actually, I think this is what's happening over here. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's um, it's just really lovely. I just, oh, God, it's making me like, oh, my God, I want to be in it. <laughs> Somebody employ me. Uh, <laughs> Absolutely. Second that. The war cry of an actor. <laughs> Somebody employ Oh, I know. The rollercoaster of emotions. I know. Um, you said earlier you're not a theatre maker, Laura, but yeah. have you done any writing or anything like that? I have. I've been dabbling in a bit of writing because um, I was encouraged. But more TV side. Great. Um, and it's, it's a total skill that I'm still learning. I mean, people go to uni for this, so there's no way I'm going to, well, you know, off the bat, be able to write a brilliant script that's going to get commissioned off the bat. I'm still learning, and I'm still trying to understand how to do that. But I'm enjoying it, though. Yeah. And so you're doing more kind of script stuff, like film stuff? Yeah. Like, yeah, like comedy. Comedy, yeah. So you um you do have an affinity with comedy, is that fair to say? Yeah. Like I know you've done a couple of bits of telly. Yeah, um, yeah, I did Regis. So it was through State of It. So when I did State of It, the guys of State of It, um, they were like, just give writing a bash. And then I was like, okay. You know, I don't ever want to turn an opportunity down. And that's what I've just been doing, just trying to give it a go. I think it's really important what I what I'm loving what I've noticed especially kind of over the last two years since obviously everything kind of happened is more and more women are writing mm-hmm. and are putting themselves forward and doing whether it's writing plays or whether it's looking at um, screenplays but just seems to be more and more more and more of us are like do you know what actually I can give this a bash and absolutely I, and as you should just do it. You've got yeah. nothing to lose, honestly. Just yeah. that's what I've been telling myself recently. I think that's a brilliant piece of advice, though. It's like what 
it's because I think we we get so in our heads as actors. Oh my god, I yeah, like so block ourselves so much yeah. because we overanalyze everything mm-hmm. and we question every choice that we make. And is that what they want? I.e., they the director cast. I'm horrible in it. Yeah, you're like I could do it like this, or I could do it like this. Yeah, just because you're like, what do they want? And I literally have no advice because I do that 24 7. I mean, I see, I know, like, I'll say to people, oh, don't, don't get in your head, don't get in your head, like, just yeah. be free, just be free. And I'm like, Elaine, you are such a hypocrite. <laughs> You're literally overthinking what you've just said today. I know, I'm like, why are you telling people to do that? Like, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it just, it is one of those ones that it's like, I do, I wish, I wonder if the, I wonder if some of it comes from like that imposter syndrome that a lot of oh, actors have. It's rife in yeah. me anyway, but yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think like imposter syndrome is, and I do think, because I didn't go to RCS either. Mm-hmm. So I do think that when you haven't gone to a quote unquote prestigious drama school, mm-hmm. that that sense of, well, I didn't go there, so am I as good as that person that did go there? Oh, my God, no, I totally get you. When I was doing um, Life's a Dream, everyone everyone that was cast, disgustingly talented, amazing people and performers, and just watching them in a rehearsal room, just playing, you, uh, you just kind of sit there and go, oh, my God, like... They're amazing. Like, right, and I, I, need, I need to step my game up. Am I good enough? Why was I cast? Was I cast because of this? No, not surely. Yet. Like, you just, honestly, you send yourself dizzy. Yeah. And by doing that, like what I learned from doing that job, by doing that, you are just blocking your instincts for the scene and you're not listening when you're supposed to be listening in a scene because all you're thinking about is everything else that isn't what you should be doing. Yeah, totally. And you're not getting to play either, which is the thing that, like, it's always the thing that I think about. And I'm like, oh, it's called a play because we should be playing. Aye, 100%. Yeah. Let's talk about Life is a Dream because that was, I unfortunately didn't get to see it. um, But I know that it was hugely, like, critically acclaimed. Everybody was loving it. Um, Tell us about the rehearsals for that. Tell us about all of it. Oh, it was so good. Um, so I was I was very nervous because I was like, oh my god, it's the Lyceum and it's Wells Wilson, huh? And I was happy that Anna Russell Martin was also cast because it's always good to have a wee pal. It's like day one of school. Um, and the way Wells likes to work is that she has loads and loads of faith and trust in her actors that she doesn't all. So we we never did the classic where you have a script in your hand. And you'll do it like that. So she'll say, we're going to look at pages from blah, blah, blah to blah, blah, blah. Know the story, know your intentions, know what's going on, and then you improvise it. So lots of brilliant stuff came from that. Loads. But if you're not used to working like that, you do spend a good amount of time in your head. because Only because, as you said, you're not playing, you're not throwing yourself into it. And then once you kind of stop being in your head and you just throw yourself into the improvisation and see what happens you do find a lot more about 
your character and other characters. I think that's what I found useful about it. I found out way more stuff about the other characters that helped me build my character. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So it was hard work, but good hard work because I learned a lot and it was fun. And every night when we performed, everyone did something different. Nothing drastically different to the scene, but everyone was alive. Mm -hmm. It wasn't repetitive, which is gorgeous because it keeps you fresh and absolutely sharp. Yeah, it's a good time. I think, do you know, it's funny, I was talking to some people about this the other day, actually, and just about how in the UK, not just in Scotland, but in the UK as a whole, we tend not to, improvisation isn't one of those things that's really pushed. Like, we're still always so, like, we hold on to this text. Yeah. So much, like, whereas, you know, like, America, Canada, their improv seems huge. Like, it's so big. It's not like we've got, improv clubs that you go to or <laughs> yeah true improv classes and there's definitely I think there's something because it is a skill improvisation oh I, I and um I think there is definitely you can block yourself so easily because your brain can take over so much yeah yeah you're so right and like obviously like it's normal to do a wee bit of improv in, in the rehearsal bit but it only lasts a, a wee while but I think to 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 do a scene and I, maybe do you know what maybe it's because it's classical text mm. and and because it's like everyone's speaking for ages, like as an actor you're like yeah but I want it I really need to know the words and it's like it's what what Rose would say she'd be like you you know the words you're gonna learn the words you have to learn the words that's not a big deal everything else is way more important. And every, and by improvising, you find all that because you're not sitting there going, wait for your cue line and then saying your line. You are genuinely listening and reacting and not knowing what that person's going to say. Yeah. Because yeah. it's it's about you being your character. Exactly. They can know. It's also, it's not just being your character. It's knowing how your character would react to certain situations because you've done all of that work. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, I was really lucky. I was um, part of Poor Boy Ensemble for years and, like, working with Sandy Thompson, that's the stuff that, that she's been doing for years. Like, we would take Shakespeare text and, you know, p- properly play with it. She was like, don't do the lines, just do what they're feeling, say what they're feeling, say how yeah. they're... And it's just... It's so freeing. And, like, what Will's saying to you, you get the lines. It's so true. yeah. <laughs> because the lines then it's almost like they start to because you've got your character and you're starting to know exactly what your character would think and feel in that moment yeah and how they would react to something it's almost like the lines then kind of go in you by osmosis no absolutely they just melt in because you you get it you're, you're picturing that monologue you're picturing what you're talking about so the lines naturally start to sit on top so that it makes it easier to learn them yeah but it really did it was really I, I was properly gutted I didn't get to see it um because just like everybody I know that saw it absolutely loved it so congratulations thank you thank you thank you um and yeah so I just see that's because I've had a beer I'm now like thought there that was a so you've got your thing coming up in August have you got anything else beforehand that you can talk about no just literally um 
developments and additions. That's about it. Great. But I am excited for the August thing. I mean, it's it's that thing, isn't it? Like, I think people who aren't in this industry or in this career kind of are like, and you know, I, I actually hate that I asked that question on the podcast <laughs> because like that question in life makes me want to throw up like when somebody oh asks me that question. Honestly, it's horrific. What's next for you? I don't know. Surviving? My agent to send me through something. I don't know. Yeah, I'm like, um, I'm going to make my that dinner. money off your mum. That's, that's what's next. Yeah. Like, right, you've got to feed your cat. Like, oh, you know. Like, hire me. I like, and... And it's that thing is like I do it as the podcast, then I'm like, God, I would never ask that question actually to someone. So I but it's a it's a good question. Yeah. It's a good question for a podcast. Yeah, I mean, because just in case they're like, wait, well, I'm away to Hollywood, blah blah blah. Do you know what I mean? You never know. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um and you never know. The next time I ask you that question, what well, that's exactly where you may be headed. Manifest it. I'm going to manifest it. What I actually like, so I've never asked this question on the podcast. I'm going to ask it now to yeah. you, Laura Lovemore. Yeah. What are your little rituals that you've got before you do a job or before you go on stage? So I pray. I'm pretty religious. So I pray. And then I tell myself I'm the baddest bitch. I'm here for a reason. I'm sharing the space with all these amazing people because I deserve it. I'll rub my crystals. I'll also... Um, if I see double numbers, two twos, like on the clock, 11 11s, any doubles, I wish, constantly wish in. And then I do like a little money chant to attract abundance and lots of stretching, lots of stretching until my body feels like a noodle. And then obviously the classic warm up and all that, but and then I go in. I love that. I'm like, I want you to tell me the money chant when we finish this. <laughs> I actually will. I will. I got it off TikTok, but hey, um, what? I love how open you are as well about being religious because I think sometimes there can be a real kind of what's the word I'm looking for? Dichotomy in our industry if you are openly yeah. religious. Um, yeah. And I think that's, I think it's really a lovely thing. Have you found that? Have you found kind of people be like, or have ever, has everybody been, I would imagine people are open about it, but. Yeah, I feel like a lot of not. Yeah, I feel like a lot of people that I speak to in the industry aren't religious, which is fine. That's absolutely your prerogative and all that. I'm religious, and I'm. It's, it's what helps my soul, and it's what makes me feel good inside. And if you've got other things that make you feel good inside, brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a really healthy way to look at anything. Uh, yeah, totally. I, I was sitting with my pals excuse me, about two weeks ago and I was with this person that I was on a date with and my, me and my pals were all, were all Catholics and then I was like, ah, he's Catholic and all. Then he went, no, I'm not. And then they all started going, oh, Lord, I am. And I was like, no, 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 it's fine. Like, like I was like, so like, when you say you're not Catholic, like, how, how, what do you mean? Like, 10% or like, <laughs> you are Catholic, but you decide not to be like, and then they were just laughing at it. And he was just like, no, I just, it's just not my thing. And I was like, that's okay. I'm okay with that. And I am okay with that. I am okay with that. I really am. Jane, <laughs> 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 I'm okay with that. <laughs> the way you're looking at me. I am okay with that. Yeah. 
It's a funny one, that question, especially if you're from Glasgow. It's, I, it kind of feels very much west coast of Scotland, actually. It's like, yeah. you know, what team do you support so that they can figure out which religion you are? Pretty yeah, they usually go hand in hand, don't they? Yeah. I mean, I've had that, like, in... I've been asked that in Canada. Have you? Ah. And I'm like, what? What? <laughs> uh, it's, it's, it's just really interesting that that thing of, like, something that's so... Because that is really Scottish. That's one of those things that people seem to know. <laughs> With one of my pals, her, her dating strategy is, do you support Celtic? Are you Catholic? What's your second name? <laughs> and then depending on those answers, that's when she uh, decides if she persists. Hey, she's going through it. I support her. Well, do you know she's got her clear agenda? Yep. She's making it really, she's made a decision on what she wants. Yep. Which I admire. And she's making sure she gets what she wants, which she I did. also admire. I said to her, you need to venture out. And she did. She she dated someone who supported. Rangers and that didn't go well so now she's kind of went <laughs> she's gonna absolutely bat me um she's okay kinda, nobody knows who she is sorry exactly I think do you know what I'll tell you this I think it's because he slipped in jeans I mean I don't care what football team you support or what you're doing <laughs> what the fuck are you doing sleeping in jeans in jeans <laughs> Blue boot cut jeans, sensational because because like who does that? But do you know what? Maybe he had his reasons. We will we will respect that absolutely. But the blue dye was fading onto the sheets, and I think that was her thirteenth reason why. She tried to be my reason number one. So well done, her. Um, <laughs> wow. I mean. Laura, you need to put that in one of your film scripts. No, honestly, the story's, like, it's hilarious because there's other layers, but it's just one of them. She'll she'll end up listening to this because she supports everything I do because she's a great pal, so... Well, thanks for the story. Aye. And, you know, know, this podcast is listened to all over the world, amazingly, um, (laughs) which always stuns me because who'd have thought intersectional feminist... uh, your podcast would have had such a far reach but apparently it does um, and someday who knows maybe in Chile might be living through that same experience as your pal yeah true I think I can one-up it though um I had a date ages ago and we were oh no 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 oh no please up. please right okay so oh if you're nervous because see right no I'll say it right anyway so what happened was we were watching, I was like, wait, do you want to put a song on? And then they were like, yeah. So then they put on Michael Jackson, which is like problematic enough. And I was like, oh, weird choice. And then they went on this Michael Jackson defending Rampage. And I was like, I don't have the energy for this. And then they put on, um, what was that? Smooth Criminal. And I shit, you know, hopped out the bed and did the full routine, full routine and I've never had an ick in my life <sighs> I think that's worse than blue jeans I'd yeah. rather take blue jeans that is worse than blue jeans I'd take blue jeans as well uh, yeah I'd rather feel absolutely denim against my skin than watch a full performance of smooth criminal yeah wow yeah I uh 
yeah that's 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 pretty incredible yeah yeah um <clears throat> Laura before we uh finish up we like to ask question um so we like to ask our guests what the phrase persistent and nasty means to you now if you don't know why we're called persistent and nasty when we started we were it was kind of on the cusp of the me too movement and um the year before the previous president had of the unit the united states had come into office um and there was the Elizabeth Warren quote, nevertheless, she persisted. And then the nasty, because we love to reclaim words, was when uh, Trump called Hillary Clinton a nasty woman on air because she dared to give them actual facts. So then there was a whole Twitter hashtag nasty women of like all these CEOs. Mm-hmm. So we love to reclaim the words like bitch, moany, boss. Absolutely. All those words that women get called to degrade us. Aye. So we were like, you know, let's use them to empower us. All about that. 100%. Yeah. So, Laura Lovemore. Yeah. What does persistent and nasty mean to you? Be the baddest, filthiest bitch you can be. Make people sick to their stomachs when they hear your name. Make them honestly so upset that you're doing so well and living your best life that they need to take time out of work to whitey. Be you be bold and just be sexy I love it <laughs> they need to take time out to whitey is quite possible <laughs> my favorite line that anybody has said, ever said on that I <laughs> so that they can go home and just be so upset how great you are yeah for those not from Scotland um whitey means uh, to be sick just oh yeah so I keep forgetting this is international it's okay it's okay <laughs> Yeah, it means to be sick. It means to be sick, physically sick, not sick in a good way. <laughs> yeah. Not that kind of sick. Um, Laura, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It's been an absolute joy chatting to you. I can oh. easily have chatted more. Thank you for having me and thank you for giving me an excuse to get mad with it. Now I'm going to be on my second. Oh, great. I love it. Make sure and get some food, though. So, Absolutely. Yeah. And um, there's so many other things that I could have spoken to you about, like, you know, growing up and being a young black woman in Scotland and all yeah. of that. Um, but I think that, you know, that conversation about history and everything was so beautiful and really important. That made sense. Um, the barefoot Merlot was touching the brain cells. So hopefully. Yeah. It did. It definitely it made sense. It totally did. Um, Laura, thank you so much. And uh, until next time, lovely listeners. If you enjoy the Persistent and Nasty podcast and support the work that we do, please like, download, subscribe and review each episode. It really does help us get our message out and our incredible guests heard to as many people as possible.